Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book In My Father's House with permission of Light Trails Publishing and the Tin Boom Foundation. We are on Chapter 10, Reach Out. Europe was devastated at the end of World War I, and there was danger of starvation in war-torn countries, and yet there was also a resurgence of hope in the world. Make the world safe for democracy was the slogan of the Allies. The humanitarian compassion of the United States and the victory nations in sending supplies and food prevented millions from going hungry. In Holland, we were thankful that we were spared from the terrible conflict, but we wanted to reach out with help for those who weren't so fortunate. What could the Tin Boom family do? Germany was a wounded country. Many of its children were undernourished and suffering from severe malnutrition. We began to think of ways to provide homes for these children in Holland, building them up with good food and care before returning them to their own homes. Since Father knew so many watchmakers, he discussed with me how we could organize an outreach for children of watchmakers in Germany, a position he had earned not only because of the respect of others in the profession had for him, but also because he was willing to work and keep his promises. After the war, he spent many hours contacting watchmakers all over Holland to ask them to take a German child into their home for a time. Why don't you take one yourself, Father, I asked. But Father was more realistic. Just wait, Corey. Many have promised to take children, but not everyone will be faithful. We cannot depend on everyone. There will be children for whom I have no home, and we can take them in. When the day came for the children to arrive, Father, Betsy, and I went to the railway station to see that each child went with the proper family. What a scene it was. The children stood on the side, shy, wistful, frightened, and the adults waited expectantly to find out which ones were to be a part of their households. One by one, names were called, and everyone would step forward to welcome the poor little things. An attempt had been made to match children with families who had girls and boys of the same age. I had to struggle to fight back my tears. Our little Dutch children were so ruddy-cheeked and sturdy besides the pale, undernourished Germans. Soon everyone is accounted for, well, almost everyone. I had been watching one little girl pushing her way into the corner of the waiting room as if she hoped to become a part of the woodwork. As each name was called, she tried to make herself less noticeable. Father, look at that girl. Don't you have anyone left on your list for her? Let's see. No, I don't believe so. We shall take her home with us. My mind began to buzz. She could go to William's former room. He had been married since 1916 to Teen, our doctor's sister. I must see about some clothes for her. Perhaps we still have some dog clothes left in the attic. Then I saw another one. A bedraggled little boy was waiting dejectedly for someone to claim him. Father checked his records and found out that his mother had become ill in the house where he was supposed to go. So we took Willie, too. Come along, my young friends, Father said. You need a good meal and a warm bed. He reached down and held out his hands to the two skinny little children, one about ten and the other a year or two younger. What a sight they made. Four spinningly legs raced to keep up with Father's stride as we returned home. Willie was a street urchin from Berlin. The tin boom home, modest as it was, must have appeared like a palace to him. When the children sat down to the table and Tante Anna brought them soup, they both picked up their bowls and began to slurp, the excess making rivulets down their dirty chins. Corey, these two must have a bath, Betsy announced, although the need was obvious to everyone who could see or smell. 
Willie only spoke German, but the word bath must have been a universal meaning for little boys, because he looked first at Betsy and then at me. There was a sheer panic in his eyes. Father sensed immediately that Willie thought that these two funny ladies were going to subject him to the indignity of washing. Come along, sir. I will show them most magnificent invention of our time. I'm sure Willie didn't understand what he was saying, but the tone in his voice and the flourish with which he directed him to the bathroom must have assured him that there was a marvelous treat in store. After we took the children between clean sheets, Betsy, father, and I went to mother's room to tell her about the additions to our household. She couldn't understand German, but in the following weeks it was such an inspiration to us to see how she managed to love and help those German children. She could quiet a quarrel with a shake of her head or ease a hurt with an outstretched hands. Isn't it wonderful, Betsy said, to have children in the house? And what a blessing it is to have Willie. Father has been so outnumbered by females. The next challenge soon arrived in the person of Mrs. Tetman and her two little girls. We had known her through our association with the YMCA, and when she wrote from Germany that she was in desperate need of help and that her children were suffering from malnutrition, we started to make up more beds at once. Mrs. Trekman was more undernourished than her girls, Ruth and Martha. Her face was gaunt and lined with the strain of hardship, which wore rights on the bodies and spirits of human beings. Oh, Lord, I thought, don't ever put us through that in Holland. I don't think I would have the personal strength to watch my own family suffer. For the weeks her mother was with us in the house, the two little girls were rather difficult to handle. Ruth would throw temper tantrums which threatened not only the wood paneling on my bedroom door, as she kicked it uncontrollably, but also the peace of our house which was always active, but not with the voices of discord. Her mother responded to these outbursts with several solid slaps across her face, which added to Ruth's rebellion. Through Mrs. Truckman's actions, we came in contact with a German way of discipline. Slapping for the slightest reason produced rather negative results, for Ruth responded with more tantrums. In some way, without words, Mother taught Mrs. Truckman that sometimes a beating on the bottom side of the anatomy was healthy, but slapping was not wise. Mrs. Truckman finally returned to Germany, but we kept Ruth and Martha along with Willie and Katie for quite a while. The first time Ruth began her door-kicking action getting tantrum. We ignored her as if she were nothing more than a little fly buzzing around our deaf ears. No slapping was required. Ruth and Martha became two of the nicest little ladies we ever had. Many years later, I received a letter from Ruth. She wrote she had read some of my books and remembered the time she was in our house. What a naughty girl I was and what love I experienced in your house, she wrote. My husband and I pray that we can pass on the love we have received to people who need it. The Lord is our strength. How good to know that. It was 28 years later, and I was in Germany. Another world war had engulfed the nations, and by this time I knew from horrible first-hand experience what it was to see my family and thousands of others suffer, even more than those in the First World War. After a meeting in West Berlin, I saw a neatly dressed gentleman smiling at me. Something about him jogged my memory. Of course, a little street boy with his slang and naughty eyes. Tante Cory, do you remember me? I'm Willie, who lived with your family many years ago. There was a new light in his eyes, and I wasn't surprised when he told me what had happened to him. I had never heard anybody pray in a house before. I knew that people went into the big cathedrals and said prayers. But when I lived with the Ten Booms, I heard praying before and after meals, and oftentimes during the day. 
Many years later, I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior, but I believe it was because you had planted those seeds of love in that skinny, frightened boy who came out of the slums of Berlin. The saddest day. The children from Germany stayed for a while, building their bodies and healing their spirits before returning to their homeland. Those were growing years for all of us, but weakening years for Mother. Three years after Mother's severe stroke, times in which she which her love and patience spoke louder than any sermon. Her physical life slipped away from us. Father saw the woman he had loved for so many years, the wife who gave him such strength, leave for her home in heaven. She had taught us so much. She never pushed Father towards greater success in his business. She sustained him with her encouragement no matter what trials he had. When money was scarce, she stretched what we had, and when we met defeats, she taught us to try again. Father looked at the woman he loved so much, knowing that she was with Jesus and that she was free of pain for the first time in many years. This is the saddest day of my life, he said. Thank you, Lord, for giving her to me. Father's loss was acute, but he did not engulf himself in self-pity. He knew where Mother was, and he also knew that the Lord's work had to go on in this world. Next time, it is chapter 11, In and Out of the Watchmaker's Shop. I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now.